Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. I have a special guest for you today who's a friend of mine. Ken Coleman is no stranger to our program. In fact, for those of you who are newer to our program, if you go back and listen to episodes 113 and 154, you'll see my man there. In fact, in the five years of this program, we've never had anybody on the program more than Ken Coleman. That tells you a lot about what I think. And Ken and I have known each other a long time. He's been involved in many, many aspects of working with Dave Ramsey down in Tennessee. Ken's a career expert and a national radio host of the Ken Coleman Show, where he helps people discover what they were born to do. Now, how about that for a job description? He also, what I like about Ken is he provides these practical steps. You know, people talk about having their dream job. Ken actually helps lay out the roadmap for you to get your dream job, make it a reality. His brand new book comes out today called From Paycheck to Purpose. Ken, welcome back to the show. Delighted to have you, bud. Always good to be with you, Brian. It's a good life. Well, listen, um, you know, before we kind of dive in, I have my, you know, I'm pretty anal and structured in what I like to do to really get our point across. But as we talk about work, you know, I just did an episode on the blessing of work that I felt compelled to do. You know, we have just under 11 million open jobs in America today. I had a couple of young men who come up to me and go, man, I feel like a dope. I'm doing this work. My buddies are home. They're getting paid to stay home. They're, you know, playing video games, couch surfing. And uh, I'm out here busting my hump and I'm making about what they're making. And I felt compelled to really teach that, you know, work is a blessing, not a curse, that it it's far more payoff than a paycheck and why it's such a vital part to the human being's psyche, soul, and uh, sense of worth. Just as we dive in here today, you know, you're vocation is ultimately helping people find their purpose in their work. But talk, if you will, a little bit about this idea of what work is and why it is so connected to our purpose. Well, it's absolutely connected to who we are because we were created to contribute. Mm. The, the reality is, is that the worldview that we most ascribe to is that we work to live. Mm. So I work to get a paycheck to then provide. And certainly provision is a big piece of work. There are really two elements of work, provision and contribution. Provision and contribution. And when you only work for provision, there's a huge part of who you are that is never being engaged. And if we look at the reality, let's just talk practical reality, the average American will spend about 90,000 plus hours at work in their lifetime. And if you just think about your normal rhythm, okay? <laughs> you're I talking think I did about, that last month, by the way. Exactly right. Yeah, we said average, by the way. You are anything but average. Uh, but, you know, so you think about the amount of time you spend uh, sleeping, at work, and then family time. And then you have to wonder, why is it that nobody has, ever has to be taught how to ask the question, why am I here? What should I do with my life? Mm. It's amazing to me. We don't have to teach toddlers how to say no. We don't have to teach them how to steal a toy. And nobody ever teaches us to wonder at night, why am I here? 
So as you know, I, I'm a man of faith. I don't apologize for it. But sure. if you're not a person of faith right now, I'm still talking to you. Because there's something in your spirit that longs to answer that question. And I believe it's because we are souls and we are created to contribute. And if you don't contribute something that matters to you, then there's something missing. And there's data all over the place, Brian, as you know, that says that a man or a woman that's on purpose and feeling a sense of purpose in their professional life, it has numerous positive effects in their relationship life. And you look at dudes that are having midlife crisis, cheating on their wife, dabbling with drugs, gambling. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. Those are all symptoms of a greater problem. And it's that I'm lacking a sense of purpose and meaning in my work. And so, you know, uh, I could go on and on and on about the theology behind that. But when you realize that that all of us long to make a difference in this world, and you go, where does that come from? And so we start looking at work as this thing where we can contribute to the greater good. And, oh, I can make an income too. So I'm a guy that's trying to help people see that there's income and impact. Right. That's awesome. You know, it's interesting. Years, a couple of decades ago, uh, we do our Mastermind Summit every year, and I had booked Nelson Mandela to come. And uh, right, so I had done all my pre-con interviews with him and everything else. And then right before he got on the plane, he got diagnosed with cancer. So he never made it. But it was the most impactful you know, pre-conference interview I ever did in my life. And I'm asking about Robin Island. I mean, to me, he was a modern-day Joseph from the Bible. You know, people say, all oh, these stories in the Bible are too outlandish. You know, here was a guy who's in prison for 27 years, comes out of prison and becomes president. Yeah. It kind of happened to Joseph, you know. And so I said to him, you know, you know, this whole experience, and been away from his family and all these different experiences and tremendous introspective. But he said the one thing they did at Robben Island at the time, the cruelest thing they tried to do to the prisoners was every day they'd wake up, they'd have their routine, and they'd move a big giant pile of rocks from one end of the yard to the other. Big, heavy rocks. And the next day, they'd do it as well. And he said the most soul-destroying aspect was once they understood that meaningless work was ultimately the cruelest punishment they could give him in prison. And then what they did was they had to find meaning, even in moving a pile of rocks from one place to the other. Hey, we're getting stronger. One day we're coming out of here. One day we're going to be running this country. We're going to, we're going to use this as physical exercise. We're going to make this competition. We're going to make this as camaraderie. We're going to make the pile look different, turn it into shapes. And once the guards figured out what they were actually doing, they stopped doing it. But I, I remember being just struck cold. You know, you have these conversations. You've interviewed some great people. And you realize why they're great people. And he said, meaningless work was the ultimate thing to destroy our souls. And, you know, that's why I love the work that you're doing, Ken. I mean, this is awesome stuff. And you kind of lay out a roadmap in From Paycheck to Purpose where you have these seven sequential stages. And I'd love you to kind of touch on those. I'm a, I'm a sequence guy. I love yeah. structure and I love how-tos. So, Because so many people say, hey, find your purpose, find your passion, live your dream. Yeah. And then they leave people there. Yeah, they don't tell you how. Yeah, well, so what, where, do I, where do I start? So yeah. if we could dive into those seven, I, I'd love to you to touch yeah. on that. So here are the seven stages. And I, as I lay these out quickly, and then we can unpack them as you wish, mm-hmm. think of this as climbing up a mountain to your professional pinnacle where you're working on purpose. And then you, this will all make a lot more sense. So stage one is get clear. Stage two is get qualified. Stage three 
is get connected. Stage four is get started. Stage five is get promoted. Stage six is get the dream job. And stage seven is give yourself away. Mm. So I'm going to go back through those, but get clear is where we start. We Okay, so how do I find that unique role that I was created to fill? Well, this is what I've dedicated my professional life to, mm. to give it some simplicity. Because, folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's not the mythical journey that it's been portrayed to be that only a few fortunate souls fall into. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The fact of the matter is, is that there are three elements that every human being has. And let's think of these three elements in Get Clear Stage 1 as a dashboard like we have on our car. Okay, So we're looking at these indicators. We're going to look first at talent. Talent is very simple. It's what we do best. So we're talking hard skills, soft skills, otherwise known as people skills. Okay, And so think of talent as premium tools. Mm. Right? Talent are the tools that we use. That leads us to passion. Passion is work that we love. I'm talking the task itself, the role itself. We love it. Like I know you love communicating. I know you love teaching. You love creating content. You love leading. I Just the work itself that I just described, you have high emotion and high devotion. Right? Mm. That's what passion is. We look forward to it. We lose track of time when we're in the middle of it. And more importantly, we're willing to suffer to be able to do it. And that's why right. I really locked in on passion to describe work you love. Quick thing on this. Just stop you for a second. Yeah. You dropped a gold bomb there, yeah, yeah. right? Which is, we're willing to suffer, right? We know that Greek word for passion is paseo. What are, you, what are you willing to suffer for? That's not what most people are selling these days, Ken. It's, no. You know, and that's the deal. It's, you know, because people come to me, oh my God, you on stage and there's so many, and they don't want to hear about the grinding nights, the nights away from home, the bad hotels, the missed flights, the bad introductions, you know, the laryngitis and all, all the things that come with the grind. Yeah, but it's the passion is what you're willing to suffer for, and I just think it's it's the missing piece for so well, many people. It, yeah, I'm so glad you took us there because that's that's where I'm at right here. That you've got to be willing to suffer. I'm gonna give you some real life sufferings. Mm-hmm. You got to suffer sacrifice, time and money. You've got to suffer patience. I don't know for anybody, any man or woman that's on purpose that hasn't had to suffer through patience. Mm. It is so difficult because we as humans are wired for progress. And to get up every day and persist and then wait, the tension between patience and persistence, you only make it if you love the work or else you will quit. I promise you. Okay, so passion is what we love to do. Then the third element is mission. We are missional human beings. This is the soul part that we were talking about earlier. And so I refer to mission as results that matter deeply to us. So all work creates results. Well, what are the results that you most deeply connect to? That's mission. So here's how this comes together. Your purpose, I don't care who you are. If I've never met you, I can look you in the eye and I can say that your purpose is to use what you do best, talent, to do work you love, passion, Mm. to produce results that matter to you, mission Mm. now that's as tight as it gets Mm, that's awesome all right and you're never going to hear it any more simple than that what's my purpose to use what i do best to do work i love to produce results that matter to me therein lies your unique contribution Mm -hmm. and so since we cannot separate our professional from our personal then therein lies tremendous clarity 
get clear. And so when they come in alignment, as I like to say, they turn into a blinking neon arrow pointing to the world at work. And so now as we begin to look at things, we have the ultimate filter, the ultimate litmus test. Does it allow me to use what I do best, my talent? Does it allow me to do work I love, my passion? Does it allow me to produce results that matter to me, my mission? And if the answer is no, then move on. Mm. But if the answer is yes, step forward and do it. So that's get clear stage one. All right. So now we go, okay, I see multiple things I can do. And ultimately, I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to clarify and verify. Because if Mm. I want to go into real estate, I want to go talk to Brian Buffini. If I have coffee with that guy, I'm going to turn Brian Buffini into a term paper subject. And by the time I'm done talking to Brian Buffini, I've clarified the ins, the outs, what he loves, what he doesn't love about real estate, all the things. And in my head, processing that information will then seep the information down to my heart. and My heart will go ding, 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 or "Eh." that's clarify, verify. So once we really say, okay, I'm going to move this direction. Now we say, how do I get qualified? That's the ticket to the dance. Everybody's got to have a ticket to get to the dance. And so get qualified is stage two. As you know, in the book, we unpack how to create a plan, but as I'm getting qualified, I'm also in stage three because while I'm getting qualified, I'm also getting connected. Absolutely. I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait for the ticket. Right. Yeah. And this is huge. Like when we meet new agents, we get them into the training, but we get them into the training and have them do the connection work at the same time. And so many people, it's like they're like baseball players. I have to go to first base. I have to go to second base, you know? And and so I think that's a huge point there, Kenny, where, you know, this dynamic of getting qualified and connected. So many people think, OK, now I've got the qualification. I've got the sheepskin. I've got the degree. Now I've got a shingle and now I'm going to be in business. And they're massively disappointed when there's nobody there at the time. It's exactly right. And, and I got to tell you, for anybody that says to me, I just can't catch a break. I, 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 I've done everything I can do but I can't catch a break. I want to lovingly put my arm around him and go, you haven't done everything you need to do. In fact, you're not even doing close to what you should be doing because if Mm -hmm. you don't have opportunities come to you, I can tell you this, you're not around the right people and you're not in the right places. That's what I wrote Mm -hmm. about in my previous book, The Art of Connection. And we make this stuff so difficult. We've romanticized this idea of, and we've kind of movified it, where, yeah. you know, we kick the door down and it turns into a, you know, a successories poster. Oh, I'm going to kick right. the door down. I've been privileged to hang around a lot of very successful women and men. I've interviewed many of them, too. And I don't hear many stories of kicking doors down. What I hear is them showing up mm-hmm. and then showing up yep. and then showing up and then watch this showing up. Right. And they're, they're consistently putting themselves where they need to be. And then opportunity walks along one day and goes. Here you go. Right. And And because you showed up so much, you can actually recognize a genuine opportunity instead of the counterfeit because you did the work. The dynamic that I see, it's kind of like when a business outsources all of its marketing and lead generation. When I see small business people do that, I go, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And the same thing here with this dynamic is people, oh, I got my degree. I went on LinkedIn. I, you know, I went online. I went to those sources. And now where's the action? And even the dynamic, you know, our, our mutual friend Bob Bodine talks about what people think networking is as opposed to relationship building, connecting, giving of yourself, being out there in the marketplace, talking, listening, interacting, and then meeting relationships. And someone goes, you, there's, I know someone you need to talk to. And then that part, I know someone you need to talk to. And you talk to enough of these people, eventually you're the person to be talked to. That's a question. So, so good. Talk about getting started. Yeah. 
Well, you know, this is probably the most daunting stage of the seven stages mm. uh, because I think this is where most men and women who never become who they were created to be, they get stuck here. Mm. And they end up walking away from the starting line and they make their way to the bleachers and they spend the rest of their life as spectators watching mm. other people. And this is really the moment where we've gotten clear. We know the mountain that we're supposed to climb. Mm. We've gotten qualified. We're ready. We know how to climb it. We've done the training. We've got the skills. We're ready to go. We've got the connections and the opportunity comes to us and it's sitting right there. And all we've got to do is step out of the starting block. The gun has been fired, and yet we sit there paralyzed. And in the book, I really write pretty pretty real and graphically about what I believe are the three major enemies of every person's starting moment. Mm. Uh, they're the enemies of progress, fear, doubt, and pride. Mm. And as you know, uh, you know, Brian, I'm now approaching 5,000 phone calls uh, that I've done live on the air. Mm-hmm. And folks, when I tell you this, you don't have to agree with me, but this isn't an opinion. I've listened to these voices. And so let me just outline a few of the fears. Fear of failure. That's just, that's just kind of inherent. We all get that. Nobody likes the sting of failure. Fear of rejection. And then fear of the unknown. Those are the three biggies. Mm-hmm. And they're all different. Okay. Yep. But the reality is, is that that's what keeps most people from stepping out. Well, I got news for everybody. You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. I don't care how successful the person is. They will tell you story after story after story after story of failure. And so that's just part of the journey. Fear of rejection. I got news for you. That's the price of admission. Mm-hmm. Fear of rejection. That's the ticket to the game. It's a, no, it's just the ticket to the game. It's the deal. They're just you're somebody, in the game. That's yeah. it. You're in. So understand, you're not doing anything wrong when you fail. Or when you reject it, it's called learning. The first time I rode a bike, I failed spectacularly. <laughs> and only after I stuck to the sheets for three nights that I go, I got to figure this thing out. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then the last one is the fear of the unknown. And I got to tell you, this one right here, this is the most insidious. Because we can all kind of process a specific failure that we're worried about. We can process a rejection and what that feels like and how it stings. But the fear of the unknown, this is the equivalent of if you've ever been behind the wheel of a car and you drive into some serious fog or a torrential downpour and you can barely see the front of the hood of your car. Boy, you want to talk about terrifying. I mean, we hit the brakes. We're pulling off the side of the road. Well, the fear of the unknown, when we step out on the path to purpose and we begin to climb, uh, there are going to be major stretches of the way where we're not clear at all as to how it's going to end up. Right. And for some people, Brian, that's enough to knock them off, which is why, as I write about this in the book, this comes back to what I just talked about with Get Clear. When we face the fear, we're going to have to retreat to clarity. Mm. When I was a kid, we played this silly little game called freeze tag, right? And we'd run oh, around yeah. in the church, the front yard of the church. And uh, if someone tagged you, you were frozen. And But I remember all you could do is get back to the safety place called home base. And if you got the home base, you are safe. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do when we face fear, when we face doubt, when we face pride. We're going to have to retreat to clarity and go back to that home base, catch our breath and go, no, wait a second. Do I have the talent to do this? Yes. Do I have the passion, the love for this? Yes. Right. Do these results matter deep inside of my chest? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, Brian, then we summon the confidence to step forward and the courage to stay on the path 
Clarity leads to confidence, mm. and confidence leads to courage. There's no other way about that. Yeah, it's funny you talk about the fear of the unknown. You know, I do a show at the end of the year called Bold Predictions. Yeah. And I bring in Dr. Lawrence Yoon, one of the top economists in the world. And we've done a pretty good job of being able to project the real estate market. I'm out of 35 years. I read all the graphs and charts, and we're kind of let people know where it's at. What's interesting is we get about five times the viewership on that show than any other program every year because people are apprehensive about the future. And you got to step out of that comfort zone. And part of the dynamic is, is viewing it as that opportunity. It's also, it's either going to kill you and control you, or it can excite you because it's the juice, right? It's the juice. You're going out on stage. You're going out on the field. It means you're actually living. You know, you're, you're in the game. You know, you never feel butterflies sitting on your couch, watching a game, drinking a beer. There's no, no butterflies there unless your team's losing, right? It's, so at the end of the day, I think it's, it's a huge one. So, so now we got clear, qualified, we're connected, we're up and running, we got started. Talk to me about getting promoted. What does it mean to move to the next level? I have a lot of even self-employed people. That's the actual get to the next level. Everybody talks about it, but very few people have put it in the terms you have. That's exactly right. So this is now where we begin to accelerate, right? Mm -hmm. This is where we see most of our movement. And by the way, if you're a small business owner, I know I'm talking to a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners. By the way, this stage is just as relevant to you. Uh, as it is a caller on the Ken Coleman show, because getting promoted means I got more customers saying, I want you, right? Mm -hmm. And my business grows, I'm promoting myself. But this is where we spend most of our time. People that want to live on purpose, you're going to spend most of your time on this seven stage journey. You will be in stage five Mm -hmm. because this is the climb. So Mm -hmm. stage five, get promoted is the climb. And so this is the longest stage, Uh, but it is also, I will tell you the most exciting stage And I will also tell you, and I know you'll say an amen to this, it's the most rewarding stage. Because when we finally step into the dream job, stage six, and we're in stage seven, I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, Mm -hmm. we will look back on stage five. Right. And it it is only stage five as we begin the climb and we experience the climb and all that comes with it, the hardships, the delays, everything, uh, that the pinnacle matters. Mm -hmm. See, absent of the struggle, it doesn't feel so good. It just doesn't. I mean, if you've ever lost a bunch of weight or you've ever done a marathon or I don't care what it is, you started a business and it was a brutal three years. And in year four and five, you grew 10x, 15x. It's only special, not because of the accomplishment. It is special because of the journey. I'll tell you, you know, uh, I'll be very transparent. I've, I've never shared this publicly. When, when I wrote my first, uh, my second book, but when my second book, The Proximity Principle, came out a couple years ago, I was hoping it would be a bestseller, Brian. But there was no expectation of that. And I remember being on the last stop of the book tour. I was in a hotel room all by myself in Portland, Oregon. And I woke up and my phone had been going nuts. And, you know, I had the sound machine on. I couldn't see it. So I looked at it. I started looking. And I got several emails and texts. And it had debuted number one on the Wall Street Journal list. And I went from shock to overcome with emotion in my room by myself. And in that moment, I was not moved to tears because of the accomplishment of being a number one best-selling author. Because I'm here to tell you, 20 minutes later, it wore off and I realized I'm still the same dude I was yeah, than 20 minutes right. ago. That and a you, cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah, you know that. But the reason that I was moved emotionally is because I was thinking of the journey and how long mm-hmm. and how long and how hard it was. And right. to experience something of significance, it is only significant because of the difficulty of the journey. So yep. stage five is get promoted. This is where we're moving up. 
and you know we're moving up the mountain and we're keeping going we got to move from one job and then we got to crush it and we got to win the now or there is no next right? right and then we keep doing this we rinse and repeat this is where we're developing who we are the qualities as you know there's two chapters in this stage and i'll just simply say that the two chapters are dedicated to what i need to be doing and who i need to be becoming yeah sure as those are two different things so in in stage 5 we have two chapters one is I got to focus on knowing my role, that's clarity, accepting my role, attitude, maximizing my role, effort. Then the second chapter in that stage is the five qualities that if you develop these qualities, you become promotable. You're unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here's the good news about those qualities. If you're a zero on any of the five, you can become a 10. And that's really encouraging because I got to tell you, as a guy who loves sports, you can't do that with talent. You either have Mm -hmm. it or you don't. Right. Yeah. And I will never be able to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot rim minus a trampoline. Even that's yeah. up for vote. Right. But, so I can't develop. I could practice, 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 train, 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 train. I can't jump over paper. There's nothing I can do about that. But these qualities, these character qualities, I can become a 10 in those things. And right. that ultimately is how we move up in life is by improving who we are and thus maximizing our contribution. It's funny you bring this all up because there's two thoughts that come to my mind in this stage in my own life and in coaching and helping other people. I I just had a conversation with a young man. I've just been mentoring him for a long time, and he's killing it. He's killing it, but he doesn't know it because it doesn't feel like it. Yes. And I just literally had lunch with him not so long ago. We just took apart all the numbers, Mm. and I, you know, we took apart his numbers and what he's at and what he's doing, and he's sitting there, and he's sitting back in the cat, and I go, congratulations. You know, and I think of the last episode of The Office (laughs) where the real – a quirky guy who became the manager and he goes, I wish someone would tell you you're in the good old days when you're in the good old days. True. And, you know, I think this stage, as I think about it, uh, this promotional stage, this, this ascension stage, as you talk about it, the climb, it won't feel like you've arrived. It won't feel like you've won. You know, you talk about where you're becoming when your, your character's developing, when your skills are developing, the results tend to be trailing effects of that. Yes. You do the right thing for the right reason. Oh, my gosh, if you're working in a job, is anybody noticing? Will they notice? You know, will I get promoted or will I get to the next level if I'm a business owner? But I think ultimately having perspective, one of the things that really helped me was uh, on my ascent was reading my journals and going, oh, my gosh, three years ago, that was my biggest struggle. And I look at that today and I go, man, I'm glad I didn't publish that in a newspaper. Yes. You know, I mean, because that doesn't look like that much of a struggle to me today. Yep. So there was one thing was your journals. And then another thing is, okay, what are your results versus goals? And just keeping perspective. I think it's very important to know when you're winning. Yep. I think it's very important to know when you're progressing. You know, the enemy, the ego itself, the one word that's associated with our ego is more. It's kind of like, if, if you will, when I just was reading through the books and where you're going and what you're bringing to people. There was the one that really struck me because it's that tension between striving and contentment. This stage right here is a real gluey stage. You're climbing. Sometimes people give up and they set up camp. You know, they set up the wrong side of the Jordan. You know what I mean? And so on the other side of the Jordan is, you know, they call it the promised land. The promised land of your book is the dream job. Yeah. Stage six. So eventually. What, what does that take? What does yeah, that look so, like? So eventually we're going to get promoted up into stage six. So let's just stay with the mountain. We're mm-hmm. on the top. We're on the pinnacle. We've reached the dream job. But what next? Is that it? Do we grab a glass of sun tea and hop over to the hammock and mm-hmm. go ahead and coast out? Absolutely not. And 
I illustrate this in the book, Sir Edmund Hillary, the mm. greatest explorer the world's ever known, in my opinion. Mm. He gets to the top of Mount Everest, the first man to do it. And he's with right. his climbing partner, the Sherpa. And as they, as they ascend, now understand, folks, we've been talking about the seven stages. So just like Edmund Hillary, we're doing the same thing. And we're looking like this. Our view on the climb from stage one to stage five is we're looking up. Mm. At stage six, we're on the pinnacle, and the view now changes to I'm looking out. That's the richness of this stage. Mm. Hillary is recorded as saying as they stand up there, they, they took a few pictures and they dropped a few items. And then they began, just imagine with me for a moment, imagine, I mean, how difficult this journey was. No one's mm. ever done it. Right. First ever. Yeah. And he's up there and they're just, I'm just seeing him just kind of turn around. And it's recorded that he looked over and saw another mountain range and he looked at his climbing partner. And he said, that's the next one. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I want people to get. Like when we get in the dream job, and I will tell you that I am in my dream job. You know mm. my story. You know my journey. Yep. But the vision has now expanded. Mm. So I'm not done. I haven't arrived. Good in, to know. In fact, what I am doing is my vision is bigger than it's ever been. Mm. And so now I'm rewalking through the seven stages again, right? Because mm. now it is about stage seven. I'm going to take us there because we're in stage six and seven simultaneously. Mm. As, as we are in stage two and three simultaneously, get qualified, get connected. We are also in stage six and seven consecutively because I'm on the top and now I'm going, oh, I see things I've never seen before. I've experienced things. And so I now know what does it take to climb the next peak? And the dream, the dream job goes with me. And so now I'm going, wait a second. It's not about income at this stage. The income's there. Whether it's huge or not, it's enough. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it becomes then about impact. We go, the income is there. The notoriety is there because I've accomplished something pretty impressive. And then you go, just like I did in that hotel room. Eh, so what? I'm a number one bestseller. So they're going to say that about me when they introduce me the rest of my life. That's not enough. Mm-hmm. It's about impact. Mm-hmm. So what am I doing to make a difference in this world? And how am I uniquely contributing? And so we're in that final stage. And this is what I love about Hillary. So he gets to the top and he says, we're going to climb this. He goes on to be the only person to ever go to the South Pole and the North Pole. Mm-hmm. All right. So this dude's just racking up championship yep. belts. Right. But as he was older and he was interviewed about it, the thing he was most proud of was how he gave back financially to the Sherpa community and built schools right. and homes and helped that community sustain itself because of what they meant to him. Right. And that's what he believed was his greatest impact. Mm. And that's what I want people to get. Give yourself away is stage seven. Mm. Stage one through six has been get, not because it's bad and that it's greedy, yeah. but it is, it is one of... It's feedback, right? It's the feedback from the marketplace, right? It is, but it's an accomplishment. I'm mm-hmm. getting clear. I'm, so I'm accomplishing some goals. Yeah. But stage seven is no longer what I'm accomplishing. Stage seven is what I am contributing. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's the difference. Love it. You know, it, kind of putting all seven points together, I think about my favorite Edmund Hillary story. Mm. You know, the tradition, whether it be Shackleton and all the great explorers, you know, they made their bones. They take photographs. The most important person on the expedition was the photographer. <laughs> so right. then they come back and they do their speaking tour. Yeah. And they'd have pictures of penguins and this and any other. And many people probably don't know anymore. Edmund Hillary failed going up. Mount Everest and a number of his party died with him and so on and so forth. And 
he comes back to England and he's doing his tour. And you know the story. You know, he shows the picture and he stands there. And at the end of his speech, he goes, there you lie, Mount Everest, the greatest and the biggest of them all. But you're as big as you're ever going to be. And I'm still growing. That's right. And and that's the guy that went back and conquered that mountain and the North Pole and the South Pole. And then he gave it all away. And and like you said, he went all the way back to clear, qualified, connected, started again, got promoted, lived the dream, and then ultimately gave himself away. You know, it's been many, many months since we promoted a book on this show. You know, so there should be a great appetite amongst all of you listening today. I've been waiting months and months and months to endorse this. You listen to Ken, you listen to his just depth of understanding of what he's speaking about, experiential knowledge. This is not a guy who was on The Apprentice on Tuesday and wrote his book on Thursday. This is his life's work, and he's dedicated his life to this. He's put his time in, and I just love the dynamic here from paycheck to purpose. It's time to go pick up this book and get into it. I think for all of us, we need to get clearer and more qualified and more connected. Right now, our culture is disconnected. Ken gives you some great steps on that how to get started and up and moving, how to climb and get promoted, how to get to the next level if you own a business, how to live that dream, and then ultimately how to give it away, which is the whole legacy piece to it. You know, I we've been friends a long time, but I really do love what you do, and I, I love how you do it. I know your heart. I know how you live. I love the fact that, you know, off camera, you're the same guy on camera with your family, the same guy is in the studio, and that kind of means the most to me. You're, you're really living this stuff, and your purpose is clear and your purpose is being lived out every day. And I really feel like this book is kind of your time more than ever before uh, because a lot of people right now are feeling a sense of a lack of purpose. A lot of people are even not even understanding the concept of the paycheck in and of itself for provision and contribution. So I think the timing of the book is perfect. I think you're the right guy with the right message at the right time. And it's been a blessing today. I, I think anybody who listens to this program is going to run out and get a copy of the book. It's compelling for all people. So I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today, Kenny. I know we're going to grab a bite to eat here very soon together. I'm looking forward to hugging your neck and and seeing your person. But thank you. The best of luck. Paycheck to Purpose out today and sold everywhere where great books are sold. And Ken, thanks for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Brian, I'm so grateful to you and how you influenced me and for uh, platforming me and just more importantly, uh, encouraging me. Uh, These kind of conversations are are what make greatness and uh, it's just a privilege to be a part of your community thank you well thanks again bud and someone who's helped me with my purpose my whole life is my mother therese and as our tradition here my 91 year old mom she was 91 last week she's going to send us off today with a little irish blessing over to you therese may the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back may the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 